Welcome to Tuesday at 10. This is Carl Treacher. I'm joined again by James Carter as we look at employee engagement, workforce motivation, and a couple of tips to keep people engaged through the pandemic. James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carl. It's uh, great to be back this week. I'm interested, to, uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on employee engagement because um, we've experienced as an agency, um, I would say, a higher employee engagement um, based on the appreciation for people still having their jobs in this time. Um, but I haven't done the study to uh, to really find don't go deep and, and, and find that out, but I will do. But before we jump in, just for those that don't understand, employee engagement is obviously quite a specific measure. Um, what does it mean exactly? So typically, um, uh, the Brand Institute, we've got a company called Brand Behaviour that does um, brand and cultural alignment. So we spend a lot of time in culture and workplace motivation. So the the four things that most organisations want to measure and also the way metrics have been established over the years look at four things. Firstly, strategic alignment. So do I understand what the organisation is trying to do? Am I engaged with that? Communication. Am I being communicated to effectively? Do I feel like I have open lines of communication? Leadership is the next one, which is obviously often um, in some way over-indexed, and I'll talk about that shortly. And the last one, which most companies struggle with, particularly in rapid uh, development, is enablement. Do I feel enabled to do my job? So they're the four areas that most organizations investigate when they want to get an idea of their degree of employee engagement. You're right. And is, that, is, there, a set, um, is there a set format to running a research piece around employee engagement? Or is it something like the net promoter score or how does that work? Well, it's there is a particular protocol and methodology that you would use. Um, so with employee engagement, obviously, anonymity is very important. You can't be identifying yourself and suggesting that you think your leader is terrible and you don't feel you have open communication or you think the strategy is not good. So uh, it needs to be a very – it's an anonymous uh, survey and there's a whole host of companies doing them. And doing them relatively well. It's not really about the research. It's about what you do with it after that. And I want to talk about a few surprises, I suppose, and some of the changes we've seen recently in what has been um, somewhat of a, a generalized understanding of what employee engagement is. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. So, look, one of the things that uh, we have we have found through this um, pandemic, and you've just mentioned it, is you feel like people are more engaged in your workplace. Yeah. And that's the case. So there is a, a immediate or um, temporary jump or lift in employee engagement because of necessity, because we've been operating in a quite a stable workplace and stable economy for a long time. People have been aspiring for self-actualization and the things that actually sort of float their boat and what's really meaningful to me. That's somewhat been taken off the table a little bit because people are being forced now to look at necessity. You know, what, do I have enough to actually provide? So that yes, they're going to be more engaged, but are they going to be engaged in the right way and for the right amount of time moving forward? So you're looking at a long, when you look at employee engagement, it's important to look in the long term um, and not, not just right now. So take into, uh, take into consideration the current environment and make sure that you're building the correct practices for your employees so that they're not just engaged now, but engaged into the future. So how would you do something like that? There's a toolkit that we provide organizations that does speak to those four pillars. And yeah. one of the things I think that's important in this is uh, to recognize that we are talking about a changed environment, both from the organization as a host and also employees themselves. So one of the things that we've heard for many, many years uh, is people join a company and leave their manager. 
you know, it's all employee engagement is all about the manager. If I don't like the manager, I'm going to leave, right? So that's sort of been the most heavily indexed or heavily weighted attribute in terms of employee engagement. Yeah, you hear that all the time, don't you? Yeah. And look, in part, that's true. And when you look at the statistics around how many managers actually have formal management training or leadership training in a way that's going to be meaningful, it's 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 very poor. So it's not at any way the level it should be. So it's not a surprise that people feel like their managers either not managing them properly or that they're not really up to the task. Um, one of the other really interesting things that I found um, just you know most recently is resilience. You know we're in a period here where endurance and resilience and finding a sense of optimism is is incredibly important. A really interesting study in the States looked over looked at over 11,000 employees and their employment found that resilience was actually more important to them and a sense of optimism than their manager. What do you mean? What, what are we talking about here in resilience? Like the company's resilient? What, what, what is that? No, individuals. So staying, be able to stay positive in times of ambiguity or in times of uncertainty. So on an individual employee level, how resilient are they to change, to transformation, to downturns and upturns? Yes. Right. But that's not, is that something, I, and I suppose the other pillars of um, employee engagement would help an employee have that resilience. Is that how it works? Uh, resilience is something that can be trained. So it's providing them with the resources to become more resilient, to find more optimism, to find you know, more positivity in their lives and their work so they can keep perspective. And perspective is a very strong psychological concept through this as well that you know keeping perspective that we're in a pandemic currently that this this isn't status quo moving forward we don't know what next week next month next year will provide so organizations that can provide their company or their employees with that information are likely to fare much better there's no surprise that the american military for instance has done resilience training with soldiers for 50 years plus because it has such an incredible impact and we're starting to see even now organizations that do have high resilience within their workforce performing better so you've uh, you've talked there about uh, resilience training i suppose you know there's, there's there's probably some housekeeping and some basic things isn't there around resilience in, in terms of communication and understanding and a good plan um, plan for going forwards. But I mean, resilience training in the military would be very different to in resilience training from an employee in an organization point of view, surely. In practicality, yes, but it's the same psychological principles. You know, you, you're still going to go through emotional distress and it's not about avoidance. You know, it's about, I'm going to go through emotional distress. How am I going to deal with that? And also stay balanced or have a sense of economy, understanding that I have broad perspective on the situation. There's been a lot of comparisons during uh, the pandemic to, um, you know, previous um, global sort of issues. And obviously the world wars, there's been several sort of, you know, uh, I've seen some relatively humorous sort of takes on it our, our our grandparents had to go to war and put their life on the line you have to sit on the couch and watch next netflix mm. um you know uh, don't be so uh, difficult uh, but uh and, you know and there's there's things there's those pictures of uh, in the uk especially of the milkman still delivering the milk during the blitz and things like that and that mm. would i suppose come down to resilience but I think, um, you know, you can sort of take a macro level and uh, a population of a country um, and how resilient they are. And, and surely in the same way that the government's way of communicating and providing a plan and uh, giving you a set of rules and, and telling you what needs to happen helps with that resilience. And that would also work on the macro organizational company level, I suppose. It does. And it comes back to those four pillars. You know, how well yeah. am I being communicated to? 
how much respect do I have for the leadership? How well are they leading? Do I feel enabled, you know, to, to move along? And, and do I feel like the strategy that's in place is, um, is the right one? Yeah, I think one thing to note is that employee engagement figures, you know, all companies do this because employee engagement speaks specifically to organizational performance. Employee engagement is incredibly critical. There's a guy called Matthew Manners in the UK who started the Employee Engagement Awards, um, which is a really good a good program to recognize organizations that are that are doing the right thing, that are that are engaging their employees in a way that it directly affects the bottom line and performance. You know, we did some work with him uh, a couple of years ago, I think, when they were doing the Australian um, Australian Awards. But one of the things they've said, and I think we also suggest the same thing, is that employee engagement generally is on the decline. Now, that is an enormous statement and symbol for organisations to do something about it, and that's not happening. It hasn't been happening to date. So when employee engagement declines... Performance declines. Yeah. Look, in Japan, it's very interesting because the average employee engagement um, number in Japan is about 35% of people are employed. But because they have cultural norms... Sorry, is it, is it good to be low or high in, in the employee engagement score? Um, the best we've seen is, is REA Group. When we did an employee engagement study there and they had 88% engagement. Um, there's a couple of others that are very, very strong also, but that was one that stood out for us. 100% is as good as it can be. Let's get back to this a little bit around what why employee engagement is dropping off the, the ledge and what people can do about it. Leadership is the big one. Uh, talent, choosing the right leaders, training the right leaders properly and helping them understand the psychological circumstances of their employees and how they can then better those situations for people. So let's put employee engagement and resilience together. And what do you get, James? Employee-lience, engage, engage assilience. <clears throat> and so onto a couple of things that you could actively do to help build resilience with your teams. James, can you think of any? Understanding, but also um, planning and understanding disaster management and disaster recovery. What are we going to do in certain situations? How are we going to recover from those situations? Um, good, strong leadership, I think, would, would have to be up there. Um, I, I think, you know, we've all, everybody's probably worked in organizations where you have a, have a good leader and a bad leader. And a good leader is doesn't you know they're not always um, that there's a certain skill set I suppose to being a, a good leader. Um, I think it can only be trained to a certain degree. Mm, I know I tend to agree. Specifically with resilience, there's a couple of things that companies should be getting their employees to do. You know, prioritizing relationships, the first one, um, joining groups, building connections, fostering network. Uh, it's connect around connectivity. I think when we look at the isolation of individuals, we start seeing poor, poorer res resilience and also less employee engagement. So the practices and the rituals and the ceremonies around keeping people together at this moment is actually just more than, um, you know, housekeeping. It's actually going to have a significant impact on the organization. Some other things to think about are fostering wellness, so taking care of body, you know, exercise has a profound impact on mental health. Mindfulness, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, incredibly important, and avoiding negative outlets. And some of those negative outlets we don't actually recognize as negative, but monitoring your screen time is a really great start. Not getting stuck on social media for too long and, and unknowingly find yourself in a, in a negative mental um, mental state. Is there a um, is there a part to this of, of also managing bad relationships in organisations? Um, you know, uh, things like bullying and, and, and workplace bullying can obviously uh, lead to all sorts of issues in managing that that side of the business well. Um, I think, um, you know, especially in larger organisations, there's a lot of talk of how to manage toxic culture. That's got to have a big impact, hasn't it? Mm, it does. Uh, and it 
thankful, thankfully, you know, due to things like the Royal Commission, uh, you know, whistleblowing now is, is much more mature inside organisations, so you have an, an ability to be able to call things out if they're not, not appropriate. I think the last thing we should probably refer to today is purpose. A lot of a lot of emphasis has gone into uh, organisations finding their purpose, being purpose-led, and that goes for individuals as well, particularly when we're discussing employee engagement and resilience, finding people's purpose, people feeling that they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, um, being proactive to um, to move towards uh, goals and that sense of progress. You know, the work Dan Pink did with Drive was, was very profound around people feeling very engaged when they feel a sense of progress. And right now it can be very easy to feel like we're spinning our wheels and we're sort of stuck in limbo, but organisations need to find a way to help their employees feel that they're progressing. Carl, you mentioned there uh, Dan Pink and the work he did um, in the book Drive. Um, what, what was so profound or interesting about, about that work and how does that, um, how can that be... Um used i suppose by organizations drive was specifically aimed at progress you know identifying the layers down from what the conventional conservative employee engagement frameworks looked at into individual motivation and he found through his research and something that we've played on and we've worked with organizations um, as a result is employees really respond well to progress and not just ambition but just actually moving towards getting something done. And if you think about Lego Masters, which is on at the moment, you know, kids building Lego, they do it because they want completion. Same with jigsaw puzzles. You know, a lot of people are doing jigsaw. Jigsaw puzzles are sold out all over the world because people just want to do jigsaw. You don't do it because you want the picture at the end. You do it because you want the sense of satisfaction and progress as you do it. So that's something that's really key here, and it's a principle. The tactic associated that is going to be very different for every company, but how do you ensure that employees are feeling a sense of progress with everything that they're doing? Yeah, and I think that's probably something that all different size organizations are very guilty of. It's very easy to sit and be complacent and go, that employee is very good at that job, and I don't want them to leave that job because... I don't know anyone else can do it as well as them. But mm. in the same situation, that employee sitting there every day and getting fed up and bored and not feeling like they're progressing. And so um, there's, I'd imagine there's some very simple, um, simple ways to, to build progress and success and, um, and, and a sense of achievement into, into roles. And I can see how that would really uh, translate well um, across organizations. Um, yeah, so. I think one of the other things that companies need to start doing is taking a good hard look at their talent identification. So not re- not employing and sorry not um, rewarding and uh, and advancing employees that are uh, ticking rational boxes, but really uplifting the emphasis on um, AI and how much uh, people you know, capability do my senior leaders have. Uh, and what, what level do you need to have as a senior leader so that you don't become a senior leader until you prove that you have the ability to actually nurture, care for, collaborate effectively with a range of people, which will relate directly to levels of employee engagement and positive culture? That makes a lot of sense. Someone told me when I employed my first person, they said, um, uh, yes, um, choose slowly and fire quickly, which sounds a bit um, sounds a bit cutthroat. But I think it's, it's, it's good advice, getting the right people and not um, you know, and making sure those those people are successful in the role in a small organization like mine, um, you know, having people that you can rely on and that your clients can trust is 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 key. But it's also very important to have, even in a small organization, a great culture where people want to come to work and want to, you know, um, want to do more um, past the roles that roles of their job. 
Um, you know, I've seen a shift in the workplace. When I started uh, working in ad agencies in the uh, in the early 2000s, um, there was very much a culture of staying late, working hard, working over the weekends. You know, you could never quite do enough. And I, I see that has changed now and people take... Um, take an hour lunch break and, um, you know, don't feel like they need to sort of work into the night on every job and, um, and, 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 you know, have that balance between home life and family and, and, and something that actually fostered correctly. I think you can get more out of someone for, uh, six or seven hours a day than you can for, for 10 or 12 hours a day. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the new norm here. I think we've got the opportunity to reset so much of that. You know, we've, we've got, new levels of trust people have to, you know managers have to trust their people now to be working effectively <clears throat> excuse me in their own uh, their own environments and hopefully that will change forever there's no longer the the previous sort of mindset around need to clock in and clock off so you said you, you mentioned earlier on in the show that the um the levels of employee engagement across the board um have taken a downturn and um and you're hopeful that something like this pandemic will actually revert some of that because of the um the 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 things that organizations have had to do to trust people to work at home and work remotely and that's definitely what i've experienced and i think it will um i think it will have a positive impact and that's it for tuesday at 10 uh, join us again next week where we will have a very special guest on the program until then james thanks for your time thanks carl i um, can't wait to meet this very special guest um, is it me uh unfortunately no <laughs>